Hey everyone, it's Max here from Side Hustles with Max, and today I want to talk to you about how I bought my first house, how I got into the real estate market, how I got into the property ladder with my first home in New Zealand in 2022. It's now 2023, but how I did it. Plus, I'll talk to you about the journey, what I've learned, and some things you need to think about. Now, I'm not a property expert, I've got one home, but my journey is I'm very incredibly driven to get onto the property market and get as much real estate as I can, as quickly as I can, hence the very swift knowledge process. And I'll show you what I'm doing now. I'll talk about what I'm doing now, what I learned throughout the process of getting your first home. That first home is incredibly important. It's the most difficult challenge you're gonna essentially, eventually overcome. You need to get that first home. It is the like the hardest, everyone will tell you it's the hardest thing to do is to get your first home, but once you get your first home, Boom, you're away flying, more challenges will come, but we'll talk about that later. Firstly, there are eight things that I'll talk about, and also outside of those eight things, I'll talk about my journey and little side bits of information I've learned throughout the process. It took me about three to four months to finally execute buying a home and the full end-to-end process, but I, I honestly, I went to, I probably looked at about 50 houses. I went to open homes, all weekend, Saturday, Sunday, even throughout the week, I, I I looked at so many homes, went to auctions, everything. So I hustled. So it might not it took me about three, four months to get finally get onto the property ladder. It might take you longer because some people only look at one or two homes a weekend for two years and they buy a house in end of year two. Anyway, let's start with one. Determine your budget. Calculate your monthly income, debts, and expenses to determine how much you can afford to spend on the house. Now, this is very incre- incredibly important to do it yourself. The banks are gonna do this for you as well, but they're gonna five exit, 10 exit. They're gonna go to such a deep and granular level that you're gonna have to give up your hobbies, Netflix, Neon, Disney, going to the gym. You're basically gonna have to give up eating. You're gonna have to give up surviving. It really goes to that level. Basically, you don't have a life um, when, you, when the banks think you, you're ready to buy a house. So it's good for you to do it prior to that process because then you can kind of be a bit proactive and cut out some of those expenses you can reduce. For example, if you have Disney, Neon, and Netflix, like I did, I was like, hey, maybe we can reduce two of them or even reduce three of them and just cancel them from now and then just start them up again once you've got the house. Now, you might think, you know, when the banks tell you to cancel all, basically cancel your life and put your life on hold um, until you pay your mortgage off in 30 years, uh, that's rubbish. Nobody does that. It's just boxes that their robot has to tick when they call you or that you're going back and forth with the assessor at the bank of your choice and they're telling you that cancel all these expenses, you can literally start them up as soon as you have that approval from the bank to move forward. You've signed that contract, house is yours. Boom, you can start your life again. They go to a ridiculously granular level because they want want like 150% confirmation that you will always be able to afford your mortgage repayments, all of your bills and expenses, even though you might be both on comfortable incomes and even have disposable income, they don't care about that. They just want the bare minimum. They just want you to spend on the bare minimum and and even less than the bare minimum. So it's good to calculate your debts. Expenses, uh, it's, it's okay to have debt. Depends what kind of debt it is. Most of the time they'll tell you to cancel your credit card even if it's with the same bank and you're a customer with that bank, but they will, finance is generally okay as long as you manage it well. In the new world of 2023 and beyond, what happened last year when I bought my house, I, uh, when the banks went through a process with the Reserve Bank where they were no longer giving out any any mortgages to, for anyone with less than 20%. And 20% is a lot of money. You could, back before COVID, you could get a house for 5% deposit, right? 5, 10%, 15%, whatever you had. Now, last year was 20%, so, 
most of us, 90% of the population in New Zealand probably had to scrape all of our pennies together, withdraw our KiwiSaver, which is our retirement fund essentially, just to get onto the property ladder and get our 20%. Unfortunately, not all of us got great inheritances, uh, sorry, inheritance, inherent, inheritance from our family members. God, I don't know why I struggle so much with that word. And none of us have extremely wealthy parents or families where basically the house was just bought for us. Most of us had to literally scrape the barrel, the bottom of the barrel. So that's why I guess it's good to calculate or figure out how much you're spending so that when you do go to the bank, you've kind of done a bit of a cleanse and it looks a lot better. Now, by the way, this is a free episode, so I hope you guys enjoy it. I'm gonna talk about it as much as I can, and hopefully this helps you and gives you some insight about buying your own house and the importance of it. Second point, get pre-approved for a mortgage. Uh, pretty simple, lenders will give you a pre-approval letter that shows you how much you can borrow, the lenders are the banks. Now, remember this means jack. The pre-approval means jack. When you go out to market all excited because you've got pre-approval to proceed, you might have gotten a pre-approval for $1.1 million, you find a 700K home and the banks will still interrogate it and like it's the, like you've just asked for a $1.5 million home. They will look to see the state of the house. The house needs to make sense for them. It needs to make sense for you. They'll go once again, they'll do a massive cleanse of your expenses. They'll sometimes even do a recheck a month later, uh, depending when you find the home and it's still a huge process. So that pre-approval does not mean you get $1.1 million. It's just a pre-approval. I don't even know why they'd even go bother with a pre-approval when they re-review everything again, when you actually find a house that you put a, a, an offer down on. Point three, obviously find an agent. Uh, you don't need a real estate agent in New Zealand. They're everywhere. You got to open homes, you'll, you'll run into them and then they'll harass you at like seven, eight o'clock at night. But you have the option of getting a buyer agent or a seller agent. Now I used a buyer agent to buy my first home and I'll be honest with you, it was like a good, I had a good, great experience. He was really helpful. Uh, he gave me a lot of transparency. I felt comfortable, I felt confident. There were, the elements are really helpful where they give you some inside information. They give you houses that aren't on the property market yet, but will be. Uh, they also have a good relationship with the other agents so they can kind of Ha build that relationship with the seller's agent and then that seller's agent can kind of prod and poke the seller to say, hey, look, you're a good buyer, you're really keen, and then they will kind of might even overlook your conditions. Now we'll talk about conditions soon. So, but you don't need a buyer or seller agent in New Zealand. I could have, now, in hindsight, everything I learned after looking at 50 open homes, I think uh, to personally moving forward, I can probably do it all on my own if I had, which I will be doing it again. Um, but for an investment home, it's a different story, but if I was to buy a first home over again, I could have done it by myself 100%. But they do help you with a bit of the solicited information and knowledge, and they kind of act as like a middleman, and they're on your side, but you don't need them. Um, and also, once again, you're gonna have positive and negative experiences with different real estate agents, regardless if it's a buyer or a seller, because they, they are there at the end of the day to earn commission. Point four, now you're just gonna search for properties. You gotta look for houses, guys. You have to look. You have to look at countless open homes. I, I always find it peculiar when people will tell me that they look at like one or two open homes a week. I'm like, that's not enough. That's not enough. That's not enough houses. I'm sorry, like you're you're competing with like 50 other people that are also looking at those one or two houses. You need to you need to expand that horizon of viewing. I looked at open homes. I, look, I think I looked at between eight and 12 open homes a day, and I managed because I spent like five minutes each home. Yes, I didn't do the most vigorous review, but when I found a house I liked, I just cro I put a tick next to it, and then I just went back to it the next day and spent more time there. But I literally spent so much petrol driving around the city, looking at all these open homes. I did after work, like I said, in the, 
in the three to four months, I looked at over 50 houses easily, easily. So if you wanna buy a house quickly, you're probably gonna be, you're gonna need a, lot, need to be a lot more diligent and vigorous with your time. But if you're kind of on the buying a house journey, you wanna find the perfect dream house, then it might take you a bit longer because you're gonna be fussier, you're gonna be pickier, and we'll talk about that later on as well. Now, five, make an offer. When you find a property you like, the obvious thing to do is make an offer through your agent or to the agent. Um, there's, in New Zealand, there's basically a offer of engagement or it's basically like a, it's a sales um, offer or sales contract. Now, they're all the same. They all have the T's and C's. I looked at like 10 of them and I went through them all. It's just a generic, it's, it must be the New Zealand real estate or property um, offer of engagement or con like a mini contract where they're literally all the same. They're just copy and paste. There's nothing different. The only things you change is your off, like obviously the price that you wanna offer them. You might add some conditions, which we'll talk about shortly, but otherwise, that's it, you make an offer. And I think I made an offer to seven or eight houses and got rejected by obviously all of them but one. And it was good, it was like a practice. It was kind of like interviews. You got a heaps of job interviews, you get warmed up, you get some practice, you get some failure, you get some rejection and you move forward and you learn and that was fine. Um, some of them were quite disappointing because they're really cool houses, uh, but some of them you kind of like, oh, I'll put an offer down for way way less than what they want and if it goes through then you know i'm the winner but obviously you know the property market at the time was fairly fairly warm not not too hot but warm should i say so you make an offer and you go from there now regardless of what your offer is i've given higher offers than the competitor who won the house and i lost out because of conditions ah conditions now this was before i had 20 percent before I got together 20% very quickly, I had like 17%. Because I didn't have the 20%, the bank gave me conditions and they were. One of them was, I think it's quite common, a valuation needed to be done so that the banks could see from a third party how much the home was actually worth and if I was overpaying for the house, so a valuation. And then the other, that was the main condition, right? Valuation. Uh, and, and obviously the Kiwi Saver withdrawal process, uh, which takes like 10 days, um, which some a lot of buyers, sorry, a lot of sellers didn't like. They didn't like the fact that you had to rely on Kiwi Saver because Kiwi Saver um, and any retirement fund can still say no. Like for example, if you're with, uh, I don't know what, maybe AMP or ASP, whatever Kiwi Saver party you're with, they could look at the, they could reject the withdrawal for any reason, or they could delay it, and it could go from 10 days to a month, which I've heard the horror stories. And then the sellers, sellers are often very nervous with. Kiwi saver withdrawals. If that's if that's what you're relying on, if you're relying on eighty percent or ninety percent of your Kiwi saver like withdrawal to make up the deposit, a lot of sellers are nervous about that, and they'll generally say, "No, we want a cash offer. Like we want a cash, we want cash deposit, and then we're away flying, or um, cash, cash, or just cash in general." Right. The other thing as well is that the based on um, bank approval as well. That's another condition because the bank is giving you the mortgage. They're giving you that full brunt of the, the cost. So the bank's gonna be paying for your house. That's the another thing that makes them nervous. So they'll often go through someone who's offering cash to pay for the whole house. Conditions. The other conditions you can add are actually beneficial. I added conditions in some houses where almost made it too difficult for them to sell me the house where I was like, oh, I want 
Um, and I'm based in Christchurch, so I wanted full EQC paperwork, which some didn't have, which is pe peculiar. So those, ten I learned very quickly to, you know, you tend to stay away from the ones that provide full EQC documentation. Um, basically, earthquake, basically approval and confirmation that the earthquake repairs have been done to a full engineering spec, and they've got all the documentation to prove it. Uh, the other things I did was like full building inspection. Uh, some of it was like to fix things up around the house, um, confirm uh, asbestos uh, quantity, and just just some of them were. Oh, I wouldn't say they were far-fetched requests, but it would just make the sellers think about uh, the amount of work they have to do in additional to sell the house when someone could just come in and buy the house for the price. So conditions can help you, but they can also harm you. Once I got twenty percent, boom, conditions went away. But I still do recommend getting a valuation because that valuation is perfect for when you want to sell your your house. If you want to ever want to sell it. Because then you pay for valuation. Yeah, it's not cheap. It was like 800 bucks, but it gives you on paper the true value of your house and it's gospel. So for example, the next people that come around, you can provide them a valuation and say, hey, look, I'm selling the house for 700K. It's worth 700K as per valuation. So some of them are the benefits of the valuation actually helps you so I, I went through that journey of spending a lot of time with real estate agents back and forth putting offers down and in the offer space you can only if you're the first offer you only get one other chance to put in a second offer in if you've put a if you're not the first person to put the offer in then you only get one chance. So you almost have the benefit of being the first person to put an offer on a house, so that when there's a second or a third offer from someone else or another party, you can have a chance to put to tweak your offer. Now obviously you never you never know what the other people have offered, but I've been in crunch time situations where, you know, people sometimes real estate agents will say, oh just you know bump it up another bump another up another five k and you'll be sure to get it. But they won't tell you, right? Then they're not allowed to tell you. But they'll say, you know, bump it up another 10K, bump another 20K. So these are things that you'll go through. It's, it's not an easy process, guys, but once you get it, it's the most rewarding thing you can have and you own a chunk of land. Now, the reason, uh, there's reasons to why you should buy a house, right? Um, in New Zealand, uh, pretty simple. New Zealand is a small country. We've got a limited amount of land. We're not building more land. We're not making more land. So that our land here is precious. So if you can buy a chunk of New Zealand land, which is New Zealand's in the Western world, it's a sought after country. People want to move here. People want to live here. You need to get on the property market as, as quickly as you can because what's going to happen over time is, personally, I think the, the, the houses are only going to get more expensive. We're not going to see a huge drop in the market where houses go in Auckland back to 500k range and in Christchurch back to the 300-400k range you're going to see an, a slow increase over time and that's going to continue simply because we're going to run out of land and that land is going to be sought after by a lot of people so get onto the property market as quickly as you can New Zealand it's first reason second reason why are you paying rent why are you paying someone else's mortgage why are you paying that money into somebody else's pocket when it could be into your own mortgage, into your own house, into your own property. There's, I, when I was living in Auckland, we, I think our rent was 680 a week. My mortgage repayment is like 700 something a week. So if you think about that, that's, I, I, I might as well pay my own mortgage, 
right? Like, why would I pay? If you're living in Auckland, guys, like you, you might as well buy a house. You're pay, you're basically paying the same you would as you're paying off your mortgage. Now, depending where you live, you might live somewhere cheaper where it's like four hundred dollars a week. But even then, that four hundred dollars, why not pay the extra two, three hundred bucks? A week if you can afford it yeah you might be skint for the first year but that's natural when you buy your first house the first year is always the hardest from what I've been told and now I think we're about six months in yeah it, it's it is it is tough it's incredibly hard because interest rates are high everything's expensive uh, you know you, you'll be you you're probably put in interest rates fixed for at least two three even up to five years so it is tough the first year is incredibly tough so that's that's why you I, I personally think you should you, that's that's an obvious reason to buy a house uh, in New Zealand especially um, not the easiest but getting on the property market the other reason is you if you have the dream like me to own multiple real estate properties now real estate is the ultimate financial freedom over time it's the ultimate financial freedom don't don't be fooled by all these people saying no no you need to start selling stuff online uh, true, maybe if you start an online business and it becomes extremely successful and you're earning six figures a month, great. That's that's but that's you know like everything, things fizzle over time. Real estate is always there. Real estate is a long-term game. It's a long-term game. Real estate is always going to be around. People need houses. People need places to live, commercial, residential, industrial, whatever it is. People need places to build their businesses, to have warehouses, to have apartments, like condos and complexes. So real estate is the long game. It's the ultimate financial freedom. So if you're like me and you want to have multiple real estate properties moving forward in the future, the next thing you will start thinking about is, okay, well, I need to start building equity. So you need to get into the property ladder because when you start paying off your mortgage, you're building your equity. So there's two ways you can get equity. That's either the house market grows exponentially very quickly, you, right? So the, whatever your house is valued at today, and then it grows over six months and it's another 100, 200K, then that's 100, 200K worth of equity, right, of growth, or it's whatever you pay off your mortgage over the next two, three, five years. So to break down equity, equity in a home is the difference between the market value of your property and the amount still owing on your home loan. So if the market value of your home is more than the amount you owe, you may be able to use this to get a loan. It's the same with paying off any of your mortgage. If you've paid off 150, 200K of your mortgage, you can use 150, 200K equity to buy your second home. That's what you need to, get, that's what you need to start thinking about. Now, I'm gonna take a step back. When I started looking for houses, I was never looking for a dream home. And I told my partner that, and we agreed that no, when, the first home is not the dream home. The first home is the property ladder home, right? Get onto the property market. And it needs to make sense. So all I wanted was, it needs to be freehold. So obviously there's freehold, there's cross-lease. Cross-lease means that you're splitting the property with your neighbor or a neighboring party and you basically have to ask for permission with each other to do anything to the property. Freeholders, that land is that, that house and land is yours. You own that chunk of land, you don't have to worry about anything. Then there's sublease and all the other categories. So my rules were it needs to be freehold, it needs to be central Christchurch or central-ish and needs to have decent capital gain opportunity. So what I mean by that is, is that the house, the section is larger than the house. It's not a townhouse scenario where your section is 114 square meters and your house is 98 square meters. This, this property is 700 square meters with 150 square meter footprint for the house. So you've got capital gain uh, and 
What is capital gains? Well, capital gains is the increase in the capital's asset value and is realized when the asset is sold. So capital gains, you'll, you'll get it from a lot of things, investments, uh, you'll get it from property. Um, in real estate, so property, it's the money you make when you sell an asset that's increased in value, but you'll get a lot more capital gains from a larger property section, right? So you're, you're gonna get a much higher potential for capital gain if you've got a large section and a decent sized home, right? So 700 square meters is gonna be a lot worth more, like worth a lot more money than 114 square meters. So the capital gain potential for townhouses is not that great because of the size of the actual section and the footprint. But when you've got a 500 square meter section, a 600, a 700 square meter section, that's a different, that's a different story. So you start thinking about these things. You start thinking about capital gains. You start thinking about equity. You start thinking about what do I need to do very quickly? How can I make, put more money into the house? So any renovations. So do you buy an old uh, ship box and you do it up? because you've got some DIY skills, or maybe you are a builder, which a lot of builders do. They do build, they buy older homes, and then they do a lot of renovations, and they add 150K value very quickly to the home. Do you renovate your bathroom, and you add, you know, you pump 10K into the bathroom, that's already added value to your home. Do you renovate the kitchen? Do you add a studio that's consented? Do you add a, a garage? Do you add a car park? Do you redo the fence? All these things you think about when you buy a, a property as an investment. So I treated my first home as an investment home, straight away. I was like, okay, it's central, it's central, it's 700 meter square section, it's really good accessibility, it's fully fenced, privacy, it's got a garage, it's got, it's a four bedroom, and there's only two of us. It's, it was the long term, the macro, the holistic picture. So you need to get that dream home scenario out of your mindset if you're wanting to do the long-term game with real estate because that makes you fussy and picky now when i talk about fussy and pickiness i saw this all too much in my journey of looking at all these homes and other people when i was having conversations with agents and even other people looking at houses and i, I was watching body language and what they were looking at and the things that they were kind of annoyed about and then also talking to a lot of friends and acquaintances and just people throughout the grapevine of looking at their first homes and i've heard people say oh look We've looked at like four houses and we've covered and given up because it's not what we're looking for. And I'm often asking, well, what are you looking for? And it's usually like a million things that you're never gonna get in the first home. It's like a million, like a million checklist. And I'm like, come on, like, and I give them my opinion and your opinion's only worth as much as they value it. But uh, the, other, the, the other things as well is people wanting like the perfect house with the white picket fence and located right to the right next to the school of their choice and like the perfect distance to everything and uh, you need to live in the real world as well when it comes to buying your first home you don't have the money to buy that home you don't have the opportunity to get that dream home you build that dream home long term you 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 make the money off your properties you build that real estate portfolio and you build that dream home on a chunk of land that you buy like a lifestyle block that's what you do in my opinion, now remember these are my opinions. So fussy and pickiness can set you back because you're gonna give up good homes, potential good homes, smart purchases, because it didn't have the living room layout that you wanted. It didn't have that indoor-outdoor flow that you wanted. It didn't have the color wallpaper that you wanted. It didn't have the bathroom located in the right part of the house. It didn't have the right amount of sun or shade or it had a funny fence or 
I don't know, some other ridiculous picky stuff that people think about, like the, I don't know, the layout of the driveway and the letterbox and just things, and also even things that you can fix, like old shutters or like hand, door handles or kitchen handles, um, just, just, just things like that, like carpet, well you can remove carpet and have wood or you can just put new carpet in or you can clean the carpet, you can paint the wallpaper, you can paint the house, you can do whatever you want. You, you have to remember you're buying a box, you're not buying all the intricate detail that went into, into building that box, you're buying the box and the land. What you actually want is the land, but ideally with a box on it, that's what you're buying, that's what you're investing in. So fussy and pickiness can definitely set you back. What are some other things that I learned? Well, once I got my house, then obviously you learn very quickly that you need to do a lot of work. There's a lot of peripheral expenses like insurance. So start thinking about that early, you know, home insurance, content insurance. You need to start thinking about doing minor repairs, adding things to it. Just just little, little intricate things that you finally learn when you're a homeowner. Now the difference between a someone like me who basically buys an investment home as their first home. What do you do with that? Oh, sorry, and obviously someone who wants to buy their dream home for the first home is that I really start thinking about the bigger picture very quickly. So in the, literally after having the house for two weeks, I'm like, okay, well, how can I start build, A, thinking about building the equity very quickly? What can we do to the house? What can we renovate? What can we fix? Um, what can, where can we start looking? Is there something cheap? What areas are good? We start doing research about different areas, being like, okay, we've bought here. Where could we buy that makes sense? All these things rushing through my heart mind, even though I've got at least another year or two before I can even start thinking about a second or an investment home. But you start, you need to start thinking about this stuff and it needs to be at the top of your head all the time because things are changing, you need to keep an eye on the market and you need to have that manifestation mindset in your head that, yep, this is the plan, I'm still on the journey and I'm still gonna be focused on that second home as quickly as I can. You keep your relationships with the real estate agents that gave you good advice, you talk to, I talk to them Frequently, once a month, I'll send them a text or an email and say, hey, what's going on in the market? What do you think I should do next? Well, like what areas in Christchurch or around the country are looking good in the next two, three years? Always have your ear to the ground. Always have your ear to the ground. So with that, you'll start thinking about, okay, I've bought my first home. Now I can start thinking about the second home, the third home, the fourth home, and onwards and upwards from there. That's how I bought my first home. I scraped together anything I could with my partner and we finally got our 20%. We bought a house and now we're just on that property journey. Now, don't get me wrong, it's 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 a real ball breaker watching those mortgage payments go out fortnightly. You're thinking, man, I can't believe I'm paying this amount to the bank. Like, I can't believe it. We're basically poor. But change that mindset and think about how you're saving money. The bank is saving you that, that money for you. You're paying off the mortgage, but you're building equity. So think about think about it as like a weird, weird alternative way to think about it is you're saving equity for your next home. So you're, the bank is just collecting the mortgage repayments, which is going into the equity growth or building the equity for your house. You're paying off your mortgage and the bank's doing it for you, so you have to do it yourself. All right, does that make sense? It's like a weird way to think about it and probably doesn't make any sense. Um, but it makes sense to me. It's like I'm technically, yeah, I'm paying it every week, but it's technically like saving my money for that second home in two years time. So 
Yeah, as long as you're not paying just interest, right? Um, that happens in tough markets where I've heard horror stories of, you know, interest rates go through the roof or people lose their jobs or people get reduction in pays or one of the partners loses their jobs and they've got one income. So they go down to just covering the interest, which is not ideal, um, where you're basically just covering interest and you're not paying off any of your house and you're not building any equity. But in the current climate, inflation's at all time high. We've got, you know, cost of living is slowly going up. Every, it feels like it's going up every day. Every time you go to the grocery store, you're like, what, what the hell is going on here? I've spent $300 and I've got like quarter of a trolley. So I guess the importance of A, getting onto the property ladder quickly and B, thinking about finan your financial position. Are you in the right job? How can you make more money? Um, should you start a side hustle? Should you start an online business? Should you start a business on the side? Can you and your partner, you know, are promotions feasible? Because it's things like that that the bank actually literally will, will get will talk to you will talk to you about. They'll say, oh, look, you'll be okay because you know you'll mostly get a promotion next year and you'll be earning more money, so things will get a little bit easier. It's it's rich coming from the banks that they 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 are the ones that are saying that you're going to get a promotion when they have no idea what the organisation you're doing is working for. They might have frozen promotions for two years. They might not even you might even be closed for promotion. If anything, you've had to buy annual leave, and that's giving you even reduced income. It's just like it's 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 unreal. I think sometimes banks are completely unrealistic in this country on the reality of how people buy houses and what we have to do to maintain being able to afford, stay up with the payments. Um, obviously, some of us are a lot savvier than others. Some of us do side hustles and make money on the side and try bring in more income as a family. But the banks and the government technically only punish you for that. So what a world we live in. Anyway, I don't want to get too negative. I don't want to digress too much. But property. That's how I bought my first house. You can buy your first house too. You just have to put your mind to it you can't give up it's like a lot of difficult things and rewarding things in life it's a lot of hard work it's a lot of resilience you have to be stoic you have to be ready for a lot of rejection a lot of disappointment but remember you have to keep your eyes on the prize and maintain that this is an investment home not a dream home or make auctions and bids for houses a lot easier and then you'll learn very quickly and then it'll become a normalized process and you'll have more I guess stake in the game to actually buy the house, buy a house itself. But remember, think about the peripheral things, for example, freehold, better. And also think about capital gains opportunity, right? Bigger section, smaller footprint, two different things, right? When it comes to value and growth over time. Otherwise, guys, thanks for listening. It's a free episode for you guys. I hope it brought some value, probably more of my opinion and ranting about the buying the house or buying a house process but hopefully there were some gems in there and hopefully it helped you and opened your eyes a little bit into what my experience was and maybe you have a similar experience maybe it resonated with you or maybe you had a very simplistic process which is really really good i hope i hope you did um, some people have a, a different journey everyone will have a different journey but in the end get your first house and start thinking about your future and financial freedom otherwise over and out stay tuned for the next one